Billy Sullivan of Sullivan Hockey and the London Knights joins to discuss what the Sharks are getting with Quentin Musty and Brandon Savota on today's episode of Locked on Sharks. Your Locked on Sharks, your daily podcast on the San Jose Sharks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, welcome to Locked On Sharks, the premier hockey podcast covering your favorite team in the Bay Area. My name is J.D. Young, contributor at San Jose Hockey Now and Inside the Rink. And I want to thank you for making Locked on Sharks your first listen. Proudly a part of the Locked on Network, where we cover your team every day. And if you want to be an everydayer, all you have to do is just follow along wherever you get podcasts, or you can watch this on YouTube as well. And we are joined by Billy Sullivan, uh, who is a North American scout for the London Knights, and also is a video kind of trainer, developer. He works with prospects and kind of watches video with them and helps them break down their game. And two of his clients so happen to be Sharks draft picks, uh, Brandon Svoboda and Quentin Musty. So um, Billy talks about kind of what these who these, these guys are that Sharks are getting, um, kind of what they need to work on and, and what to expect from these guys. And um, then we kind of talk some, you know, a little bit bigger picture stuff of kind of development and all that fun stuff at the end. So we and now we bring in Billy Sullivan. Billy, how's it going today, buddy? Very good, JD. Thank you for having me. How's it going out there? It's going. It's getting hot out here. So, uh, but I wanted to bring you on because you work with two New Sharks prospects, Quentin Musty and uh, and Brandon Savota. So, tell the people if they don't know. I know you work for the London Knights, and you also have your own hockey uh, kind of camp. What do you do? How what how are you connected with these guys? Yeah, so um, I do work for the London Knights. That's uh, my primary thing that I have going on during the season. Also from that, um, I guess you would put me in the the skills coach kind of um, area of development. Um, it's it's new, to be honest with you. I'm a video coach, essentially what it is. And I work um, with guys through video and, and analytical work. And, and the whole idea of what we have going on is to to try to get the guys to see and think about the game a little bit differently. Um, nothing that I do or that we do is, is quantum physics, right? Like it's mm-hmm. pretty straightforward, but it's kind of the mindset of when you are working on your shot, you just don't go out and do it one day. When you're working on improving your body, you just don't go to the gym one day. Same thing with video, right? You don't just watch yourself and th- and watch other people who are like you to learn from them. You don't just do it once. You just kind of keep adding to it and you allow the snowball effect to happen. And what it kind of is, is we put stuff into the mind and be like, you know what? Oh, okay. I see what he's saying, but I never really thought about that. And once you start working with high, high-end players, like the guys we're going to be talking about here, um, you get all kind of neat ideas that are involved in the game. And there's so many different things to talk about. And having somebody else in your corner who's focused on you and watching just your shifts and watching and is there to just worry about you improving in your game to help the team. It's really nice for the guys to have that, to know they have a, a corner man, essentially, if that makes sense. 
Yes, perfect sense, right? I mean, it's it's what's this? It takes a village to raise a child. It takes a village to to develop a prospect, and you got to you know, it's not just what they do in the gym. It's not just what they do watching videos. It's not what they do on the ice. It's everything coming together, um, and that that makes perfect sense. So let's start with Quentin Musty, of course. Uh, Sharks fans over the moon right now after development camp, and um, so first of all, how long have you kind of known slash worked with Musty? So the first time I uh, saw Q, he was playing for the Junior Sabres. He was in Pittsburgh, where I'm located, and he kind of popped up for a, a little showcase, and I just happened to go up and watch him. And then the following year, he went and played for the Junior Avalanche so he could play upper division, playing U16. And I got pretty close with um, Mr. Musty, his dad, um, a good bit, just you know, recruiting him for London and also – the 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 x factor i guess i kind of forgot to bring in that was the covid year that was going on so down here in the states early on i hope we don't get wrist slapped for saying this but there was some underground skates going on you know where you're not really allowed to and pittsburgh was kind of the hub for that because we're in the middle the kids from the east could come out Mm. so i got to know that 05 age group very well and um they would come down got to know q a little bit and then q of course went up to sudbury um and then in last summer I, is when I started working with Q a little bit. And I'd be lying to you if I said I did too much. You know, Q does Q does <laughs> everything. But um, technically last summer going into his draft year is when we started working officially. All right. So if you had to kind of break down, what do you think is makes Quint Musty his, uh, such an intriguing prospect? What do you think is his biggest strength? Well, I think a quick way to end up broken homeless is to bet on is <laughs> the bro- bet on Q being just one thing. And when okay. I hear a lot of people uh talking about Q, they bring up um you know he's a goal scorer or somebody will bring up well he's one of the best playmakers in junior hockey which he is or or he's a competitor like he's a vicious competitor or um you know he's a kid who really is a is a team oriented guy. Q is not one thing. You know, and Q's a hockey player. Mm. Q's a gamer. Q has so much that he gives every single shift. One thing that I really like when it comes down to um, just bringing up, like you know, semantics a little bit here is when I when you work with a guy for a little bit and he's starting and he's coming into the zone, he's coming over the blue line. Generally speaking, based on how fast he's going, his pace that he's bringing in, who he's going up against, what the numbers are, um, just all the general things that are going on on the ice, you can kind of get a vibe of what somebody's about to do. You know, like, okay, this guy's going to try to drop his shoulder, drive far post, get a guy to stop him. Oh, it's not going to work. He's going to cut back. He's going to hit the second wave or he's going to bring up, he's going to bring his feet going up. He's coming back up high or a guy is just going to slow up and try to make a play in front of the D or he's not really confident. He's probably going to chip in the corner. There's a million possibilities. And generally speaking, when you watch a guy enough, you kind of get a vibe of what he's about to do. Quinton Musty is one of the most creative hockey players that's not in the NHL right now. Mm. I do not know what Q is about to do coming over the blue line. And I mean that in the best of ways. He is without a shadow of the shadow of a doubt, one of the most creative hockey players when that puck is on his stick. I mean, I'm sure you guys got a little hint of that this past week, right? Yes. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's what you want, right? It's like a pitcher who can disguise all of his pitches, right? You want a guy who can throw a fastball and then like 100 miles an hour and then the same looks the exact same thing. And then you have like the, the change up coming on him. And that that's right. You don't want the guy who can, you know, exactly what they're going to do every time he, he steps into the offensive zone. Like just a, that, that one trick pony type of player, right? 
just kind of stemming off that a little bit, JD, mm-hmm. is like one thing you don't know when you don't know a kid, but um, he there's competitive and then there's what Quentin Musty is, right? Like Q, when I don't know, you know, what's going to happen over the next few years, nobody does. But let's say we're in 2027 mm-hmm. and the Sharks are back in the playoffs and Q has a year or two under his belt in the show, maybe more, you know. And you're in the playoffs and you're in the second round of the playoffs. I can't speak for all the other players who went in the draft, right? For most of them anyways. But I can tell you for certain, I want Q on my bench in the the playoffs. I want that guy when it comes down to the games that matter. I want him not only with all his competitiveness or with his skill and his, his ability. And yes, of course, he has things to work on, but... What he brings between the ears and he wants to get better and the fact that he just brings it so heavy and he he's willing to put, you know, people on his back to get there or he can use you. He wants to win. And that that isn't always the case. And he has that in spades. And you and you'll you'll find that out. All right. So you mentioned stuff he has to work on, of course, right? No 17, 18 year old kid is is ready right away. So what do you think is going to be the thing that he's probably attacks the most as he continues to develop and goes from a junior player to a professional hockey player? Well, I mean, like I said, when he's he's extremely creative, right? Mm-hmm. And and you have to be at the next level. Not too many people are just, you know, McDavid and being able to take off and get away, right? Yeah. Um, so as you get from junior hockey to the next level, we have to start to figure out what works. And I'm not worried about him in figuring that out in too long of a time, but there is going to be an adaption period, just like for anybody who's coming into the NHL as a teenager or young twenties. Right. So that's the thing. Um, Q can get more explosive with his Mm -hmm. first three steps. We can be a little more, you know, get going. His pace is very good. His lateral mobility is better than people want to give it credit for. His skating is better than people want to give it credit for. With that said, he's a big boy. He likes to move. He needs to be, or he can't, he's going to be a little bit more explosive as he continues to work on and um he is a lot to handle you know in all situations because of his iq and because of his offensive instincts um he is a whole lot to handle and if he can start to separate when he gets that first step going um he's a player that you know sky's the limit for him i'm biased but i i think he, <laughs> he really he really has the you know that that kind of potential all right guys before we finish up um with billy and we talk about brandon svoboda and why billy thinks he has a middle six potential um do need to take a quick break talk to you guys about our friends over at athletic greens and um if you are looking for a way to keep up with your proper nutrition which is really hard right um you're busy you're stuck at your desk all day you're eating whatever you can just to get through the day um why don't you just start your day with the ultimate daily nutritional insurance, a single scoop of AG1 in a glass of water, it can you can do just that. You absorb 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and aptitudes to help start your day right. Athletic Greens is creative when the founder experienced a ton of gut health issues and ended up with a complicated supplement routine to recover. It cost him over 100 bucks a day, which, as you know, just isn't sustainable. So he created Athletic Greens to after experiencing how difficult it was, and now... He can help you for just three bucks a day. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with a convenient daily nutritional. To make it easy, Athletic Greens can give you a free one-year supply of their immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com. Again, 
It's athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, so the big question is, uh, why Why do you think he fell to 26? Especially when I know public scouts, uh, public scouts aren't private scouts, mm-hmm. but you know a lot of public scouts had him as a top 15, potentially top 12 player, and he fell to 26. Why? Why did it, what is people, what are people getting wrong here? I think, um, there, I mean, listen, there, we could talk about this for six hours alone, right? <laughs> um, I honestly, and again, I'm biased and, yes. and I don't want to put my foot in my mouth and get in trouble, but I wouldn't have between six and 28, I would have been like, if somebody would have taken Q in that frame, I would have been like, yep, sure. Good pick. Mm-hmm. I get it. And, and I know that's really high up in the draft, but in potential wise and his ability wise, that's where, you know, that was, I think that would have been reasonable based off of just everybody of the players I know. Now, why he didn't go, we got into, we were in January and February and Quentin Musty had rattled off 17 game point streaks with 30 some points. And, and keep in mind, like the OHL best development league in the world, 17 year olds aren't putting up two points a game for a quarter of the season right in a row very often. Right. And Q was doing that. And you'd see stuff online about, um, you know, who people have him in the forties and fifties, or he's a second rounder. And I asked somebody in the, in the, you know, the outside scouting world um, and even some of the inside scouting world too. I felt like a lot of the negatives that were being put on Q were from the season before mm-hmm. and people weren't necessarily watching what he was doing at that moment. And, and I get it because I understand all the outside scouts who makes the lists and rankings and everything. They can't watch everybody. I don't know everybody. I, nobody yeah. knows everybody. It's why NHL have scouting staffs. Yes. Right. And I feel like there was a, an aura or a persona around Q for a little bit the year before. And for whatever reason, nobody was taking into account what he was doing and where and what his potential was and what and how the NHL teams think. And the fact that this kid is a 6'2 skilled monster who has competitiveness for days. Like it, it was, I honest to God can't say why it is what happened to happened. I just you know if I'm a San Jose Sharks fan, I'm thrilled about it. And I, you know, again, I don't want to put my foot in my mouth, but when we look back on this in five years, I, I can, if you made me say right now, Q is, Q is going to find a way. He's going to be one of the better players in this draft. I know we have Bedard and everybody, and I'm not saying where he would be, but you're, he's going to be, he's going to be one of them. Yeah. When we do the redrafts in five years, it's going to be a, how did he fall to here type of guy. So um, let's talk about another one of your, your clients, uh, Brandon Savotas, who the Sharks picked in the third round, um, going to be heading back to the USHL next year. So, um, you know, of course we've, we on Lockdown Sharks have done a full profile on Musty. I think, you know, Savota is a, a little kind of a bit of a more unknown, especially as a third round pick. So uh, kind of the same question with Savota. When did you meet him? How long have you been working with him? <laughs> so uh, this one's a little bit different because I, I run a ball hockey facility here in Pittsburgh and Brandon grew up playing ball hockey. So I got to find it. But there's a photo of me handing Brandon a ball hockey trophy when I was 10 inches taller than him. <laughs> And now fast forward to the draft, Brandon's 10 inches taller than me. Um, so I've always known of Brandon. He played at a local ring, playing ball mm-hmm. hockey, got into ice hockey, and obviously is what he is. Um, and 
I started coaching him in ball hockey a few summers ago and, you know, started doing the work with him on video as well over these past uh, couple of years. So I've known Brandon more longer than just the, just about anybody. And, and before we get into his hockey stuff, like he is the whole family is some of the world's best people. Like dad is truly fantastic. Mrs. S is the best. Brandon is salt of the earth, nicest people. The brother's fantastic. Every, like you're not meeting a better family than this Fabotas. And those are the kind of kids that are easy to work yeah. with and help and root for. You know what I mean? Yes. All right. Um, so what type of player do you think the Sharks are eventually going to be getting out of Svoboda? And what do you think, again, kind of, what do you think is going to be his calling card as he continues to to grow and become, a, uh, hopefully, an NHL player? Yeah. Um, I saw something on uh, somebody was evaluating some of the, the Sharks picks. Mm-hmm. And, and Brandon was brought up because of his numbers last year as, yep. uh, you know, what? Uh, a guy who could be bottom six kind of thing. Um, understand that Brandon was on a, a very good championship winning USHL team. The USHL yes. is a very old junior league and they, they did a great job. Jason Deskins and their whole staff did a fantastic job over there getting young players involved in a championship caliber team. Brandon wasn't put, there wasn't in a situation to necessarily carry the offense. And that's in, he shouldn't have been next year. I believe he will be. Um, but putting putting Brando in a in a box and say this, he's a bottom six. And I know how hard it is to play top six in the NHL. But please understand the kind of skill that this kid has mm-hmm. in his in his hands and in between his ears is unbelievable. It's right up there with you know higher end in this draft. He just has to may need a little bit more time and put it all together. Um, but Brandon, when the puck gets on his stick, he has the capability of making some people look stupid at this level. And he does, that's not always the case. The one thing that I can kind of say is when he gets to a new level, he needs a little bit of an adjustment period Mm -hmm. because Brandon was younger, even up through last year, he had what we would call passenger tendencies, right? Where he would be unbelievable when he had the puck. And then he would end up watching too much of the hockey game for 85, 90% of the game or or less. But he would watch too much. Like, Brando, you're not going to get drafted if, you know, we're watching hockey. I don't care how smooth and skilled and great you are and everything. Mm -hmm. What was neat is when he got to junior hockey, the pace and the tenacity of the USHL forced him to kind of, pick between am I going to continue doing this or excuse my language am I going to work my ass off away from the puck to be involved in the play to help this team and I always thought if he was put in that situation um he would elevate his game to a next level and that slowly but surely started to happen this year because it the the rest of the game forced him yep. to become a more well-rounded player does that make sense that makes sense right you know like I think that's you you see that a lot with players right kind of that like stepping into a new league or stepping into a new situation. It sometimes it takes a little bit for them to kind of dip their toes into it. And I think for, you know, maybe a guy like that, where you might have to kind of push him off the ledge if you know, you're talking about like uh, the pool thing, like, you know, uh, when my, when our parents, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure your dad was probably like my dad, where they taught you by swimming, I just throw you in the pool and you're going to figure it out uh, compared to nowadays where it's a little bit more. uh, Yeah. But I mean, you know, I think with with the guys like Savota, that sounds, you know, 
putting them in a situation to succeed, right? Of kind of working your way on the bottom. And you're also developing skills there, right? I mean, everyone talks about offense. I'm I'm the biggest uh, defenses for nerds, go score points player uh, person ever. But like, you still need those skills, especially if you're going to be a center going forward. So if you can build those baseline skills of, I know how to play in my own end. I know how to play in the corners, all that stuff. And then you continue to develop your offense as you get more opportunities. That sounds perfectly great to me, right? All right, guys, before we finish up with Billy and we discuss kind of just some bigger development questions, um, do need to take a quick break. Uh, talk to you guys about our good friends over at Bird Dogs. And if you're like me, right? It's summer now. It's hot. I think it's it's like 115 here in uh, the Central Valley. Um, if you're anywhere where it's hot, right? You're, you're wearing the shorts right now. It's, it's just too hot to not wear shorts. Um, bird dogs, the way to go. Um, their fabric is an anti-stink, sweat-wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. Um, they're great for whatever you're doing, right? You guys know my Saturdays are pretty busy, especially as a dad, uh, I'm coaching or I'm helping with soccer in the morning, right? Then when you got to run to Target, you got to run to Costco, you got to run to a bunch of different places. Um, and then, you know, you're either grilling or maybe you're out at the brewery or maybe you're out, you know, enjoying one of your the local restaurants and you want something that just kind of fits whatever you have to do because that we're not changing your pants all day um, to whatever your situation. Bird dogs, the way to go. I Really enjoy the built-in underwear. Uh, it keeps things cool, keeps things from kind of sticking and squishing together. Um, so go grab yourself a pair of bird dogs. I promise you won't want to take them off. And when you do go, make sure you guys go to birddogs.com slash LockdownNHL or use the promo code LockdownNHL and they'll give you a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash LockdownNHL or use the promo code LockdownNHL for a free Yeti-style tumbler. Again, you won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you <laughs> and keep in mind to a hundred percent by the way but yeah. keep in mind too when you get to the national hockey league level the guy who was in and out of the lineup was a monster in junior hockey and yep. college hockey production <laughs> yes. wise you know what i mean like i i mean, we were watching the the stanley cup and vegas's fourth and third and fourth defenseman who had 16 and 18 points over the course of the season had 77 <laughs> in the ohl and 75 you know what i mean yeah. in, in the whl so it is very difficult to get there brandon's upside in my opinion um, is a middle six national hockey leaguer um be a second or third liner um mm -hmm. You know, could he go higher? Of course. Could he go lower? You know, of course. But the the fact of the matter is they don't you don't make them like Brandon too much anymore. Everybody wants a six foot three smooth skating defense or skating center who understands the game and sees the game. And Brandon used to have a um, a little bit of a kind of tick where he would get ahead of the play a little bit. Mm -hmm. And he's done such a better job of coming up with the play and being involved in all areas of the game. And, and it's so nice that when he does that it, and you add in his natural skill and ability um, guys, you, you, there's some, there's a potential there for not only him to, you know, play in the NHL one day, but once it starts to come together over these next three years, you're going to, I, I, I believe you're going to start to see why San Jose traded up so high to get him. And, and again, I'm biased, but I've, I've known the kid since he was eight years old. And, and the kid 
has a, 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 a switch that he flips in during the game. Nicest kid in the world, most skill in the world. And when he gets into the game, he can be, he can be a prick a little bit and he's got to embrace <laughs> that a little bit more. He's a competitor needs to embrace everything, you know, and yep. he's a fantastic kid. We're all rooting for him. Yeah. Uh, that competitive uh, skill that my career has been preaching since he got here. Um, so wanted to ask you some kind of bigger picture questions right now, since you, you know, you're, you're kind of, uh, you got your foot in a lot of you know areas here with like the OHL and you work with guys who go to college and stuff like that. Um, so when you have players who kind of go the, the the juniors route, like your Quint Musty, and then you have guys who go like Sabota who go the college route, is mm-hmm. there a big difference in kind of preparing them for that, right? We know NCAA tends to be a little bit more kind of grittier feel while um, junior you're, you're playing usually against a kind of younger players. So preparing them for those routes like what what goes into that well the this the style of game is the important part for me i guess to answer that yeah. question because a lot of time the college route is brought up for the age and i don't think it's necessarily the age that's necessarily the most important part of what we're talking about when developing players there it's style wise and i call i call college hockey the gauntlet for the okay. high-end kids, right? Because the higher-end kids, when they go to college at 18 and 19 years old, you're playing against kids who are 24, 25, 26 years old and can bench 250, you know what I mean? Mm. But maybe necessarily don't have the NHL tools, but it's hard, it's physical. So we throw them in and we say, go survive this and do everything you can and you're going to be ready. And yep. the major junior side of things is a completely different mindset. This is just my opinion, by the way, the major junior where we do, or I'm sorry, in college, they do the gauntlet and they say, survive this major junior has mimicked the NHL game. And then they get, and then they play and they play and they play and they play. And we want to make our skill players. Okay. Go touch the puck 7,000 times this season. So (laughs) when you get to the national hockey league, you're ready to go. Major junior is reps and style wise, similar to the NHL college hockey is a war and they both work. Okay. In my opinion, and again, I'm super biased, but (laughs) the guy um, who works for the London Knights. Exactly. (laughs) But at the same time, if I have a son in the future, what are the chances my son's going to be one of the, uh, a top three or four round NHL draft pick. So I would like my son probably to go to college. However, if I have a son and he ends up being a top caliber kid and is a top three or four round kid, like, Get your ass up north. You know what I mean? Like, go play up there because it's the skill-based game. So when it comes in time to to developing, at least for the little bit, the very small percentage that I'm involved with these kids, what we do is we really focus on things like how can we get the puck? It's going to be different in both sides. You know, really, how do you present yourself on the ice to get the puck? Where are you having the most success? We do a lot of, I don't want to say analytics, but um, – you know, if you don't mind, I'll just give you an example. We work with a kid who mm. in his draft year, 85 or 80 percent of his scoring is, or of his scoring chances that he was involved with came from the D zone and neutral zone because he skated so well. Right. Yep. So we learned two things from that. One, keep trying to get the puck in the D zone and neutral zone. You do great at it. But yep. two is why aren't you creating more in the offensive zone? And when we started to break it down and look at all of his touches and analyzing it, we realize, you know, hey, Joe Schmo 
when you touch the, when you touch the puck with your feet railroading and you're not moving, you just cycle back, you pass it up to the point, and you're creating offense 0% of the time. But yep. remember, you're one of the world's best skaters. You keep moving your feet and you get that puck in stride in the ozone. You're now creating chances 65% of the time is that and or 65% of the time when you do it. And that may not seem complicated because it's not, but until somebody shows you that and explains it to you and you see it over and over again, you don't really think about that kind of stuff when you're just playing and working your butt off to try to, yep. to go. So the difference between the two places is just seeing how we can help the individual players in their particular area, you know? Yep. All right. So last question before I get you out of here. So of course, right, you know, all these prospects, they go, they have their development camp, right? They meet with the teams and they're usually given like, Hey, you know, we like, we love you. Of course we drafted you. We want you to work on, you know, X, Y, and Z. Right. Mm -hmm. And then they go back to their junior teams and, or their college or whoever they go back to. Right. And those guys are also kind of like, we need you to work on this, 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 because they're trying to win games. Right. How does that kind of marry the like, the long term, what we're trying to work you on with compared to with the like short term, like, hey, we're trying to win games today type uh, of, of development, right? Yeah. So I, I see what you're saying. Mm -hmm. um, but nine times out of 10, the two will go hand in hand, right? right? Um, we're not working on anything. Uh, you know, the whenever I work with guys, and I'm sure the same with all the skills coaches, we're not working with anything at to, to spite the team that they're playing for despite the team that they're going to you know um so 90 90 percent of the time i'd say even more the team what we're working on and what the nhl teams want them to work on is going to help um yeah. is going to help at the next level so uh that's an interesting question i haven't had it come up too much um but it's it's very interesting. I mean, I'm sure when it does come up and you want to do something despite the team you're playing for, that might be that might be tough. But I, and, and they usually go hand in hand. Makes sense, uh, yeah. Billy. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, where can the people find you? Yeah, sure, no problem. I, we have uh, two places on Instagram at uh, at Sullivan Hockey. I lucked out with that with that little thing there. <laughs> and then um, our website is uh, sullyhockey.com and. Um, Again, like, thank you for having me on. And uh, I can't wait to watch these two guys, um, you know, eventually wear the uh, wear the teal. And I'll tell you what, they're they're hockey players. So it, I'm so happy for them. And thank you for having me on to, to talk with you a little bit about them. Oh, I appreciate your time. Uh, thanks so much, buddy. Um, thanks again to Billy. Uh, great to, to hear from him. Great to hear about these guys who, um, you know, it seems like the Sharks made excellent picks with, with both Quint Musty and Brennan Sabota. Um, I know a lot of people thought maybe Sabota was a little bit of a reach, um, but hearing about uh, from Billy about like the type of player they're getting Sabota and um, you know, with, again, he was, he did what he was asked on the USHL. And I think we're going to see a big offensive step from him before he goes off and this year with Youngstown. And then especially when he goes off to Boston college. So um, really intriguing to hear. I thought, you know, kind of that, different mindset of how you prepare guys for going to play in the OHL versus how you prepare guys for the NCAA and where it's like a gauntlet and the NCAA and just, just survive because you're playing, you know, guys who might be four or five years older than you while the OHL you're playing, you know, playing guys your age, but you're playing, you know, basically twice the amount of games. So, um, Really, really, again, thank you to Billy. Uh, go check out, you know, Sullivan hockey. They, he works with a bunch of guys. So I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if next year, 
you know, the, the Sharks draft a couple more of his guys uh, again next year. So, um, but that's going to be it for me today. We'll be back tomorrow. Going to, you know, kind of do a little hodgepodge episode of some of the rumors and, you know, what we're hearing right now is uh, the Sharks, you know, could they be involved in Tarasenko? We'll look at the potential Kevin LeBanc uh, trade that's, that is out there right now. So going to kind of just play a little bit of catch up tomorrow on some of these other rumors. And then next week we're uh, officially off season mode. We'll be down to three, episodes a week um, until training camp uh, but we're still that doesn't mean the content's gonna get worse and we're gonna we got plenty of good stuff coming up um, i've got some guests lined up here over the next couple of weeks uh some some big time guests uh lining up over the next couple of weeks so uh, again make sure you guys are following along wherever you get podcasts or you can watch on youtube as well you can follow the show on twitter facebook and instagram and threads at locked on sharks and you can follow me on twitter and on threads at my fry hole and until tomorrow Bye, friends.